I know there's nobody here to really respond to me, but I figured I'd give all you guys at home a chance to respond. Hey, we're in the second week of our sermon series, Faith to Move Mountains. And so let me just say this, you know, I know that we're living in a day and an age and things can be kind of fearful, but, you know, the opposite of fear is faith. And so perfect love casts out all fear. But when we have a situation or circumstance facing us, we have a choice to either fear or believe God will do something greater. Amen? So listen, uh, week two of Faith to Move Mountains, and today we're going to be talking about uh, increasing our faith, how to increase our faith. But before we get into that, you know, as I was praying and, and reflecting on this sermon series this week, I, I, just, I just kept uh, looking at this picture, and it's up on your screen there. And if you look at the middle of the picture, if you, if you zoom in and just look at the middle of the picture, there's part of the mountain there that, that seems to have slid, right? There seems to be this little, this little slide of a mountain. And so as I continue to pray about faith to move mountains, faith for the impossible, I thought about, you know, what would it look like if we were to pray that a mountain would move and then we saw the mountain move? What does it look like for a mountain to move? And, you know, a lot of times we think when we pray by faith and we're going to see a miracle that that mountain is just going to quietly get up and tiptoe over to the sea and be, and, and be planted in it. But that's not usually the way it happens. Usually the way mountains move is through landslides, through earthquakes, through shifts. It's very violent. That, that, that landslide could come and it could wipe out houses. It could take out people. It's not a calm thing to see a mountain move. I mean, we, we have equipment today in this world that could actually take and physically move a mountain. Take a mountain, just take it down. It might take a few years and move it. But that's a lot of banging. That's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of activity that's going to go on to move that mountain. And so, you know, I know for me, I've been praying a prayer, and I know many of you have with me, uh, that America would turn back to God. I've been praying this prayer for a long time. I believe that there's thousands, tens of thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of people that have been praying for America to turn back to God. And what would it look like you know, again, we come back to this idea of the mountain. It may not just be that mountain tiptoeing and then going gently into the sea. There, there may be some uncertainty in the progress of America turning back to God. And so while we see all of this going on, don't fear, only believe that this is God moving America back to him. Amen? Amen. All right, good stuff. Hey, listen, we want to talk about uh, increasing our faith. Last week, we talked about what is faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is not so much a belief with the mind, but it's a belief with our heart. It's a belief in our spirit. And so today, we want to talk about how do we increase our faith. And so this is today's topic, increase our faith. And here's what the disciples said. Luke 17, verse 5 the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted into the sea and it would obey you. And so the disciples are asking the right question here, right? It's, we're in Luke 17. So they've been walking with Jesus for a bit. And so he's heard them comment 
Great is your faith. Where is your faith? Why didn't you have any faith? And so they've heard Jesus talking about faith for a while. And so finally they come to this point and something happens and the disciples say, Lord, increase our faith. And so they're asking the right question and they're asking the right person. We'll see this in a minute. And Jesus responds and says, here we go with the mustard seed again. If you had this little bitty tiny bit of faith, you could say to this tree, go and be cast into the sea and it would obey you. Now listen, what we have to know is that that is certain death for the mulberry tree. The, the mulberry tree is going to die no matter what. Okay, so they're in the Middle East. And so if they're near the Dead Sea, if it's planted in the Dead Sea, nothing lives in the Dead Sea, right? That's why they call it the Dead Sea because there's not even algae in the Dead Sea. It's dead. It's all dead. The Mediterranean Sea, there's some life there. There's fish there. But the mulberry tree would die because of the salt content in the water. And even if it were to be planted in the Sea of Galilee, which is a freshwater lake, it's just called the sea, but it's freshwater. Even if it was to be planted in the freshwater, it would still die because trees can't live in water. This is why when the beavers build a dam and the water comes up, trees die. And so it's certain death for the mulberry tree. But if you prayed and you asked in faith and believing in your heart that God wanted this to happen, then it would be done. And so then he goes on and he tells this story. And so where, where is he going with this? Watch this. Lord, increase our faith. Okay, if you had faith as of a mustard seed, you could say to the mulberry tree, be cast into the sea. And which of you having a servant plowing or tending will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me until I have eaten and drunk and afterwards you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. <laughs> I think not, Jesus says. So likewise, when you have done all of those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. And so where is Jesus going with this parable? What, what is he talking about? And so before, before I, I, I explain my take of what I think Jesus is really trying to say in this, in this parable, let's just put it into a different context, right? Because we don't always understand the idea of servants and them serving us and, you know, him coming in from the field and then making us dinner. And so let's just, let me just tell you a little story that's, that's just a little bit different, but it's going to put it in more of a context of, for you and I to understand. Hypothetical story. There's, there's this young man, his name's Billy. Hypothetical story, okay? We don't have a Billy. There is no Billy. We have a hypothetical Billy. There's a hypothetical Billy. And Billy leaves his job and decides he is going to give all to follow Christ. Okay, and so he comes to me and he says, hey, Pastor Matt, I want to follow Christ. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to work at the church. And I'm like, Billy, we can't afford to pay you. And he's like, that's okay. You know, this and that and this and that. You know, I'm good. And so Billy's, Billy's going to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. Hypothetical story. Meanwhile, Beatrice gets a hold of and hears about the fact that Billy wants to do this. And so Beatrice has it in her heart that she wants to write a check to Billy for a large amount of money. And so she writes this check. And then she comes to church and she can't find Billy. Billy's not here when she comes. And so she comes over to me and she says, Pastor Matt, I want to give this to Billy. Can you give it to him? And it's a check. It's folded in half. I don't take money. It's a check and it's folded in half. And so it's not in an envelope. It's just a check folded in half, which means I can look at it, right? Because I don't have to break the seal or nothing. So I open it up and I'm like, 
wow, this is a check for a lot of money. It's written to Billy, but it's like $35,000. I'm like, that's a lot of money. Billy's paying, Beatrice is paying Billy's wage for the next two years. I'm like, wow. And so I take the check and I'm like, wow. You know, I didn't, Beatrice didn't see me look at the check. I just looked at it. I stuck it in my pocket. And then later that day, Billy shows up and, I, and I'm like, Billy, Billy, come here. Uh, someone gave something to me to give to you. And so I take, out, I take out the check and it's folded up and I hand it to Billy and he takes and he opens the check and he's like, wow. And he goes running out. He's like, where's Beatrice? And he goes running out. Right? And I'm thinking, he didn't even thank me. I just gave him a check for $35,000. That's going to pay his wage for the next two years. He didn't thank me at all. I just gave him $35,000. I mean, it wasn't my money, but I handed it to him, right? Shouldn't he have thanked me, right? This is kind of what Jesus is getting at here. Too often, we, we believe that, you know, God's going to move through us. God's going to do something through us, and we deserve thanks for it. But what Jesus is saying is here is that when you've done everything that I've told you to do, when you see the miracle signs and wonders, don't look for thanks. I'm not saying that we shouldn't thank people that are praying for us. By all means, we should. You know, it's like thanking the mailman. You know, do we thank the, the, the UPS driver when he drops off mail at our house? Sure. Do we have to? Jesus is saying, I think not. This is just, this is, they're just doing their job. We should thank people. Don't, don't get me wrong. If our motivation is in looking for people to be appreciative of the gift of God moving through us, then we injure ourselves and we're not able to increase our faith. And so this is the point that Jesus is getting at. What's our motivation in seeking to have the will of God come to pass? Are we looking for the thanks? Are we looking for the notoriety? Are we looking for a reward from man because of, the, of God moving through us? Our faith can't increase in that situation. I want God to move through me, but I don't care if anybody knows about it. Just as long as the will of God is moving and, the, and, and, and what God wants to be accomplished is being accomplished in my day and in my hour. While I'm here on the earth, I want to see the will of God come to pass. I don't need thanks for it. Jesus is thanks enough. And it guards us against pride. Not willing, not, not waiting, not having a motivation of thankfulness guards us against pride in our own life. All right, let's keep moving. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says this. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great of a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know, we read Hebrews 11 this week. And so because of the, the cloud of witnesses that we have all around of us, the ones that we've read about all week this week, you guys uh, saw it on, on uh, our Facebook live feed all week. Because of that, let us run the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Come on. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the throne, set, uh, endured the throne, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus started faith in you. Last week we read Romans 10. It said, God gave every man a measure of faith. Jesus authored faith in you. That's what Hebrews 12 is telling us. Jesus will also bring your faith to completion. So we get faith from Jesus, and we get the finishing of our faith through Jesus. We get the increase of our faith through Jesus. 
So if you're ever in a place where you feel you need more faith, you feel you don't have enough faith, come back to Jesus. Just press into Jesus. He has all of the faith that you need. He has all of the faith that you can handle. Jude 1.20 says this. It says, but beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And so it's praying in our spiritual language, praying in tongues will build up our faith. It'll build faith. And why not? Because it's the Holy Spirit in us praying prayers that we don't need to pray, that we don't know that we need to pray back to God. And Jesus is interceding for us the whole time. And so we're fellowshipping with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit when we pray in tongues. And God will give us faith as we pray in tongues, building up our, 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 ourselves by praying in the Holy Spirit. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we can increase our faith by the word of God, both the written word of God and the rhema word of God. And so as we read our Bibles, as we daily go through and we read stories like the one we just read, as we read the stories in the gospels, as we read the, the New Testament and the Old Testament of things that God's done, of prophecies, of what God's going to do, God will increase our faith. God will give us faith to believe for the day and the hour in which we live. And there's the rhema word. When God speaks a word to you, a word that's not necessarily uh, Bible, but he says, hey, listen, do this. Let's look at, a, let's look at an example. Matthew verse 14. This is where uh, Jesus comes to them walking on the water and Peter gets out of the boat. So let's pick up in Matthew 14, 25. It says, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea and the disciples, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I do not be afraid. And Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it's you command me to come to you on the water. And so Jesus said, come. And so right here, Jesus said, come. Jesus invites him out on the water, on the water. And this is the rhema word of God. This is a now word for a now moment that Peter received. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the, the wind ceased. And then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him saying, Truly, you are the son of God. And so Peter receives this now word from Jesus. The word was come. Peter had asked and said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. Jesus says, come. And he gets this rhema word of God. He gets the, the Lord speaks to him and says, yes, come to me on the water with one word, come. And so he has this faith now because he knows that Jesus told him to come to him on the water. He has this faith in his heart. And so he has this faith and he puts his faith into action and he steps on the water and he walks on the water. He doesn't sink. But then look at the scripture. It says, and then he saw the waves and he became afraid. Fear came. And when fear came, faith left. And then he sank. But what we have to see here in the scripture is that faith comes and moves us to action. We don't get faith by stepping out into action. 
okay? Because if this was the story, then if that was the case, then any of us could row our rowboat out into the middle of the lake and repeatedly just continue to try to step out onto the water. I tried it once, didn't work. Tried it twice, didn't work. Tried it a hundred times, didn't work. I fell into the water every single time I tried to walk on the water. Action doesn't increase your faith and give you the ability to walk on the water. It doesn't matter how many times. You can try 10,000 times. You can go roll your robot out into the middle of the water, but without a word from Jesus saying that he wanted you to do it, you can't row your boat out into the middle of the lake and walk on water. You can try 10,000 times. You can try a million times. All you're going to do is fall to the bottom of the lake, fall into the water and have to swim and get back into the boat a million times. Faith comes and leads us to action. Action doesn't build faith. The attempt at action doesn't build faith. Attempting to walk on the water will never build you faith. You know, I know I trivialize this walking on water bit, and I talk about walking on ice, right? Because ice is the solid form of water. And so you don't build faith by walking on ice, and then you're like, okay, once it thaws, I'm ready to go. No, that's not the way it works. Jesus speaks to you and gives you faith, and then you're ready to move mountains. And so Jesus comes and imparts faith And then you pray for someone and they're healed. You can't pray for people to be healed over and over and over and over again and expect faith to come. You can't pray for the impossible over and over and over and over again and expect faith to come. Faith comes from Jesus. And when we we receive the faith from Jesus, then we have the ability to go and pray and ask for the impossible and see it to happen. It's not because we've prayed for healing enough times and failed that we finally got it right. It's that we've sought Jesus to the point where he's put faith in our hearts that we're no longer just praying prayers. We're praying prayers according to the faith of God. And that's when the miraculous can happen. That's when mountains move. When Jesus gives you the faith, when Jesus is speaking to you moment by moment and letting you in on uh, a little bit of a glimpse of eternity, this is what I'm doing in this day and in this hour. This is what I'm trying to accomplish in the world right now. Be part of it. Step out. Pray this prayer. Do this. Watch that. Go here. Meet this person. Miracles happen. Miracles happen when we hang around the miracle worker. And so we need to be hanging around Jesus. We need to be fellowshipping with him. We need to be seeking him. We need to be drawing everything that we can from him because that's where we get the faith to move mountains. That's where we get the faith to see the impossible come to pass. It'll never happen in your own strength. You can't do it in your own strength. It's impossible. You're not supposed to do it on your own. God does the impossible. He just gives us faith and we ask him for the impossible but only when he gives us faith. I want to wrap up today, and I just want to invite you, if you are listening today and you don't know Jesus, if you've never invited Jesus into your life, if you've never made a declaration to follow him, I just want to invite you to do that today. If you want to do that, pray this prayer with me and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, that you would come and live inside my heart, that you would help me to follow you all of the days of my life. God, we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.